Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. When Florida and Georgia meet for the annual world's largest outdoor cocktail party in Jacksonville on Saturday, one thing's for certain, the Gators are heavy underdogs. Georgia has won two in a row and five of the past six in the series. They come into this week's game the number one team in the country and 15 and a half point favorites. If the Gators can find the kind of offense they had against South Carolina two weeks ago, they have hope of pulling off the upset. But if they play like they did against Kentucky in September, they'll have no shot. So which Gators team will show up? And is this year's version of Georgia as good as the team that won the past two national championships? To help sort this out, I welcome in USA Today Network reporters for each team. For Georgia, it's Mark Weiser of the Athens Banner Herald, and for the Gators, it's Kevin Brockway of the Gainesville Sun. We'll bring them in in just a moment to help break this game down. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper and, of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Georgia leads the all-time series with the Gators, 55-44-2. Let's bring in our guests to break down the 2023 edition of this historic rivalry. Mark, welcome back to the podcast. Good to be with you. How are you? Very good, thank you. And Kevin, as always, uh, thanks for joining me again. Yeah, it's good to be back, Timothy. Absolutely. So we're going to start this week with Mark, since the Bulldogs are the favorite among the two teams. And of course, uh, Mark, you've got quarterback Carson Beck. He's from Jacksonville, having played high school quarterback at Mandarin High, which is about 20 minutes from downtown. He's been patient, waiting for the incumbent starter Stetson Bennett to graduate and head to the NFL. And the offense, they've looked good at times. They've looked stagnant at times. But you know, they really broke out against Vanderbilt and Kentucky in their last couple of games. So how does this game, you know, what does it mean for Beck to have the nerves in front of a home crowd? How does, you know, Coach Kirby Smart prepare him for this? Because this is going to be a big thing in front of 80,000 fans, many of who uh, watched him in high school. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're so much worried about nerves with Carson because he's kind of like a ice in the veins type of guy. He's he's not too high, he's not too low. And um you know, he hasn't really shown anything of, you know, where a moment was uh, like kind of unnerving him. I mean, the one game where he said that he was, uh, you know, maybe feeling it in terms of uh, kind of butterflies was, was his first start of the year against UT Martin, which was obviously their, their weakest opponent. Um, but he's, he's performed at a high level. And, and so is the offense for that matter. I mean, you know, I know that they had some a lot of slow starts this season, but if you look at you know where they rank nationally in, in total offense and scoring offense, 
you know, even though they lost Stetson Bennett and, and they lost Todd uh, Munkin, um, you know, the offense is up there in the top five, top eight in, in pretty much all those categories. Um, and, and Carson Beck, uh, you know, before the Vanderbilt game, he had three straight games of uh, 300 yards or more. So um, the Vanderbilt game is actually his, his worst showing. If you look look at it from a passing efficiency perspective, he had an interception um, that almost was a pick six and he had a fumble that he lost as well. But, um, you know, I'm sure there's there'll be uh, I, I know there's going to be a lot of uh, you know, family and friends there for Carson in his hometown. He has played in the stadium before as an 11 year old in like Pop Warner ball. He lost a uh, championship game in his division. There's a great fact. 11-year-old Carson Beck. So been about a decade, I guess, since he's played there. That's a really cool thing to hear. Uh, Kevin, let, let's turn to Florida's quarterback. Billy Napier finally let Graham Mertz just open things up against South Carolina, and he threw for 423 yards and three touchdowns. It's something I think Gator fans have been hoping to see. And, you know, between Florida and Wisconsin, uh, he's been, you know, labeled a game manager and he hasn't really had too many huge games with Florida, obviously. So was that a fluke that we saw a couple of weeks ago? Is he finally comfortable in this offense? And can he duplicate that against a top tier defense like George's? Yeah, that's going to be the big question. Something I'm writing about, you know, uh, in terms of their offensive confidence right now. But uh, let's not forget that, um, you know, the last two pass defenses they faced, Vanderbilt and South Carolina, are among the worst, uh, not just in the SEC, but in the whole country. Um, so this poses a different challenge entirely. That being said, I do think that uh, when you look at, uh, you know, Billy Napier has talked a lot about the offense playing better around Graham Mertz. And uh, when you look at uh, a guy like Arliss Boardingham, who's developing as a receiving threat at tight end, Hayden Hansen is getting a little better. Um, you know, Ricky Pearsall has had a really uh, great season and has probably, um, if anything, improved his pro stock by making the decision to come back. Um, and then Eugene Wilson, a freshman who, uh, uh, you know, uh, is, is back from injury and a little guy, but he's so quick and elusive and uh, gives you a little playmaking element there as well. So I think they're starting to develop, um, you know, a little bit of a passing game. The receivers are, are playing a little better. Uh, the tight ends are playing a little better. And I think that's helping Graham Mertz. And look, Graham is, uh, you know, certainly a guy that's uh, really good with his uh, decision making. His strength is the short to intermediate throws. I think they threw long probably more out of necessity in the South Carolina game uh, based on what South Carolina was showing them and based on the fact that uh, basically, you know, they had to come back from that game down 10 as well. Um, But uh, I do think that uh, it's certainly encouraging uh, if you're a Florida fan uh, to see this uh, level of uh, pass production the last couple of weeks. And I think they're hoping it's going to continue into the second half of the season. Yeah, I think that was the type of performance that Florida Gators fans needed heading into a bye week because it's two weeks of relative calm instead of calling for Billy Napier's head had they lost that game. So I'm sure he's pretty happy about that. Now, Mark, looking at Georgia's offense, you know, they lose uh, essentially their biggest star in Brock Bowers, who undergoes ankle surgery and he's out four to six weeks. So what does that do to Georgia's offense? He was the most targeted player uh, and the next highest receiving yards leader on the team only has 200. So talk a little bit about what's going to be different about this with him on the sidelines. You know, he's the focal point of the offense. Um, you know, he plays virtually every snap except for, you know, if a game is, if the if Carson Beck's pulled, uh, you know, maybe maybe Bowers is out as well, uh, you know, in a huge blowout. But Georgia hadn't had too many of those this year. I mean, 
if he was injured on a play, not where he caught a, a short pass or even an intermediate pass, uh, they, they worked the ball into his hands on a, on a uh, kind of an end around a handoff. Um, that's what he, what he brings to the offense, just the ability uh, to make something happen with the ball in his hands. Um, so he's a different guy. You can line him up as an inline tight end. You can line him up wide like a wide receiver. And he's just, uh, you know, hellacious in the open field in terms of bringing him down. Um, so as Kirby Smart has said uh, multiple times already since the uh, open uh, date began, uh, or last week, you know, when they didn't have a game, is that one guy's not going to replace Brock Bowers. Whenever he's asked about, uh, you know, their next tight end, the new tight end one, Oscar Delp, he says, well, Oscar's not replacing Brock. We're not asking him to do anything he hasn't done before. Um, you know, if you look at the Vanderbilt game in the second half, when when Bowers wasn't there, Dominic Lovett got a lot more targets. Um, he had three catches against UAB, three against Auburn, two against Kentucky, and nine against Vanderbilt uh, when, when Bowers wasn't there. Rara Thomas is a deep threat guy that they could uh, target more. You know, Delp's going to get his his passes. Arian Smith is a guy that really is a speed uh, demon, but they haven't been able to connect with him much this season. Carson Beck and him just haven't had good chemistry, but, you know, he can take it over the top and, and you know, hit a bomb. Um, and I'm sure they'll, they'll look to him as well. So um, maybe you see them rely even more on the running game uh, with, with Dejon Edwards. He's really kind of cranked it up and, and been the bell cow back there. So um, it's definitely a loss. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to make up for it on offense, per se. They might need the defense to step up and be like more like they were the last couple of years. Uh, it, it's certainly going to be a challenge. Yeah, but that's the nice thing about being Georgia, though. When you lose a star like that, you have plenty of four and five star guys who can step right in to try and fill some of those voids. So even if they have to spread it around to two or three guys to do that job, you know, they're all like three guys that were easily the best on their high school teams or in their areas or or in their states even. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's hard to lose a guy like that. But also Georgia, if there's anybody that can fill in for that, it's certainly them. Now, Kevin, I wanted to talk about the budding connection growing between Graham Mertz and Ricky Pearsall, which, you know, their last game, they connected 10 times for 166 yards against South Carolina. In that game against Charlotte earlier this year, you know, Mertz sailed a ball, and I've never seen anyone pluck a ball out of the sky the way Pearsall did. It was like he was putting like a claw or a hook into the air to grab a ball. It was incredible. So talk about what those two have been doing recently and, you know, how will Georgia be attacking them? And if they're putting more uh, attention on Pearsall, does that open things up for other guys? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. They talked about, uh, you know, uh, working out on the off day together a little bit last week during the bye week and even, uh, you know, getting together to watch some football over the weekend and having their girlfriends over. And apparently their girlfriends are good friends as well. So, uh, there's that bond on and off the field with them. They, they've certainly put in a lot of work since Graham Mertz arrived in January. And I think you're, you're seeing that pay off. And, uh, I think Graham has called him the best route runner in the country, Ricky. Um, he certainly, um, you know, thinks, uh, very, very highly of him in that vein. And if you, if you think about that, uh, I mean that that fourth and ten play was really you know season altering you know you 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 know you don't convert that uh, you're looking at four and three instead of five and two um, and uh, a lot more noise in the system heading into the Georgia game and a lot more heat on on Billy Napier but uh, um, you know he connected with with Ricky Pearsall on that you know big fourth down throw and then later the touchdown to beat South Carolina so 
I think Ricky is, has been um, everything that they've hoped and a little more. And I think a lot of it has had to do with the work that he and Graham have put in and the relationship that they've they've built since uh, January. Yeah, certainly. And they're just obviously getting better and better the more repetitions that they have together. Now, Mark, you know, uh, the one thing about George's game that you don't really hear a lot about is their running game. Do we expect to see that a little bit more against Florida? And why don't you tell us about who's leading the way there at running back for Georgia? Yeah, I mean, they've had in- injuries at that position that really have hampered them all season. I mean, Kendall Milton was talked about last year uh, as kind of a one-two punch with Kenny McIntosh. But throughout his uh, high school, his college career, he, he's just been dealing with one injury or another, and it's been the same way this year. So Dejon Edwards, who missed the first couple games uh, with an injury himself, has led the team in rushing in every game since he's been back. Uh, Milton didn't play the second half against Vanderbilt because of a knee injury that he re-injured. He seems to be fine this week. Um, you know, kind of maybe more of a precaution, I would guess, for that game. Uh, but, you know, for a school that kind of, uh, you know, makes a claim to be RBU, uh, it doesn't necessarily seem that way now. I mean, Georgia is passing the ball at a higher percentage rate uh, versus the run than uh, going back to the mid-90s with Eric Zier. Um, I haven't checked the exact percentage the last couple weeks, but it was uh, like 52 percent that I wrote about it, you know, earlier in the season. Um, And Mike Bobo, that's, you know, he's taken advantage of, uh, you know, what he had with Mike with uh, Brock Bowers. You know, it'd be interesting to see if that changes. Do they lead more on the run? I I think it's very possible, um, you know, if if they're able to, uh, you know, get that push uh, from this offensive line, which has had its own kind of uh, issues with losing Amarius Mims to a high ankle sprain. Um, you know, uh, Xavier Trust went down with an injury last game as well. He seems to be back. So um, they've, they've had injuries on their offensive front and in the backfield. Um, but looks like uh, certainly at running back, uh, Dejon Edwards is their guy. Yeah. And when you hear that, Kevin, you know, uh, how they're going to be trying to spread the wealth, obviously, with Brock Bowers out. We might see more running. We're going to see different receivers. How is Florida game planning for this? I mean, are they looking to stop the run? Are they stacking an extra guy in the box? Are they keeping somebody back in pass coverage? You know, what what do you think they're going to be protecting against for the biggest threat here? Yeah, I think that they've tended to go into most games looking to stop the run first. Now, obviously, the Kentucky game uh, did not work out as planned uh, with Ray Davis, who just ran all over the field on him. I think they got kind of fooled on a few counter plays there, um, but their mindset has been to stop the run. I mean, as their offense has improved in October, I think their defense in general has slipped a little bit in a lot of areas. Um, you know, the tackling has not been as as crisp, and um, there have been some, uh, you know, certainly some uh, breakdowns and pass coverage um as well and and you know not being able to win some 50-50 balls they have faced some decent quarterbacks um you know uh particularly you know obviously Spencer Rattler um but uh you know Carson Beck is right now leading the SEC in passing yardage so um and I think the big thing too is uh they haven't gotten enough heat on the quarterback in my opinion they're they're last in the SEC in sacks um, they probably do have a lot of pressures. I mean, Prisley Manmillion is, is certainly graded well, uh, but hasn't finished necessarily. He's got two sacks and four tackles for loss. I think they were expecting a little more from him. So, um, And I don't know if the matchup with Georgia's offensive line is necessarily favorable in that regard. Um, but, uh, you know, Cam Jackson has been pretty solid in the middle uh, in terms of, of stopping the run. Um, and... Uh, but, you know, they just haven't gotten that heat on the quarterback uh, that uh, 
maybe uh, maybe you, you would have hoped going into the season. Yeah, certainly. And you're right, tackling uh, for all the Gator games I've watched this year, there, there's been some pretty rough tackling, you could say, and that, that's putting it nicely. You know, Mark, talk about Georgia's defense. How does this year's unit stand up to that of the past two years when they've won national titles? And how do you think that they're going to game plan for the Gators? You know, the defensive line in particular is where you notice the drop off. I mean, but when you have sent as many guys to the NFL from the front seven the last couple of years, um, you know, when you, when you look at uh, Trayvon Walker, look at Nolan Smith, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, Jalen Carter, I mean, I can, probably some names I haven't been mentioning, Quay Walker at, at inside linebacker, Nicobe uh, Dean at inside linebacker. Um, you know, they're not generating as much of a pass rush, um, certainly not as many sacks. I know with Florida, that's been kind of a bugaboo that, uh, you know, they've had a hard time uh, in the protection game, in, in the passing game. So, um, you know, they have a guy, Michael Williams, that was kind of looked at as the next guy that would be an NFL caliber uh, pass rusher. And, um, you know, he didn't, he didn't really have that many sacks this year, might have a couple. Um, you know, it's the back end of their defense. It is their strength. Uh, you know, they have some of the, the best secondary players in the SEC uh, between Malachi Starks. Javon Bullard and really kind of an undersold or uh, underrated player in Kamari Lassiter as, as their shutdown corner. Um, and then Tyke Smith, who's a West Virginia transfer that bot- battled injuries the last few years, um, really is a playmaker, um, four interceptions uh, this season for Georgia. Um, but they don't really have the guys up front um, that really seem to affect uh, the quarterback quite as much. Now, they're not as interested in uh, – in getting sacks as they are in, in um, you know, just creating havoc and, and getting three and out. So that's kind of the emphasis for them. All righty. Well, we'll be watching for that. And of course, both teams, they have bye weeks leading into, you know, what's referred to as the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And I understand that that's a term that came about because of a columnist that used to work at the Florida Times Union in Jacksonville. But uh, you can look up history on that online. Anyhow, so both teams are coming off bye weeks. Kevin, what is Florida working on during their extended time off? Yeah, you know, he, uh, Billy Napier talked a little bit today about, uh, you know, just fundamentals. Tackling, uh, as you mentioned, uh, was something uh, that uh, that was worked on. And um, maybe just some overall, uh, you know, tweaks, uh, you know, defensively and, and offensively in terms of, uh, you know, um, uh, operationally, you know, uh, false starts, uh, that kind of an issue, uh, cleaning up, uh, some, of, some of the little penalty issues that have, have crept up, um, probably a little more prevalent on the road or at home, but, uh, they, you know, and, and I think the offensive line in general, you know, it's, it's been a little banged up obviously. And, uh, I think they're hoping to get Kingsley Gawkin back. Uh, they'll know more on Wednesday on that front. The starting center, he's missed four or six games. But they have had some guys step in um, in terms of uh, Jake Slaughter and Cam Waits uh, that have helped uh, make up for some of their, um, you know, some of the banged up offensive line issues that they've had. So I think there's also a general hope of the bye week in terms of, you know, just getting healthier across the board. Yeah, especially at this point of the season when you've played a little bit more than half the season and those guys are taking a beating out there week to week. It's nice to get that time to recuperate. So, Mark, what is Georgia working on on their bye week? Well, one of the things they worked on besides Florida was some of their future opponents. I mean, they have Ole Miss, they have Missouri, they have Tennessee to come. So they carved out some time to, you know, maybe look at some things that those teams do that are a little different than what they've seen uh, so far this season. Um, They're working on the the red zone issues on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, they're not really used to teams uh, being able to to run it in uh, in the red zone, but that's happened uh, you know on occasion this season. 
and, and offensively, they've kind of relied a little bit too much on uh, having to kick field goals when they got down there. Uh, so, you know, they, they want to be able to take advantage and get six instead of three. Um, you know, other areas for them is, is to be more explosive running the ball. Um, you know, they really haven't had the, the too many really big uh, 30, 40 yard gains. Um, you know, the, those type of things, being able to get to the second and third level, um, you know, things like that. And, uh, you know, basically it's a time mostly, though, to, to have a long injured list uh, get better um, and uh, you know, have a little bit of a recuperation heading into the, this tough stretch for them. Yeah, certainly. And now, guys, this is the time where I'm going to turn it over to you because you guys get to sit out there and watch the teams regularly. You know, I can only see what I see on TV and read about from both of your wonderful reporting. So I want you guys to ask each other a question or multiple questions, if you have them, about the uh, team that the other covers. So, Kevin, we'll start with you. What is something you would like to ask Mark about the Georgia Bulldogs? Yeah, um, you know, special teams play has been kind of a bugaboo for Florida. It's starting to get a little better. I think they might have found a revelation in Trey Smack as a kicker, at least. Um, but uh, just curious on the Georgia side, how have the specialists been? Um, and uh, could you see that factoring into the game at all uh, for on Saturday? Well, they're bringing in a, a freshman kicker, Peyton Woodring, on field goals. And early in the season, he was uh, missing some chip shots. He missed a couple inside 30 yards. But he's made, I believe, it's like eight straight field goals since then. Um, so... Really, I mean, it was a situation where you look, you wondered if they were going to end up replacing him, but he's really come out of that rut he had early in his uh, season, um, and uh, you know, really looks like uh, could be the next uh, you know big time kicker uh, that Georgia's had uh, the last couple of uh, uh, kickers that, that went through Georgia, then had some time in the NFL. Uh, they've also had a, a walk on punt returner, uh, Mikai Muse, that has a touchdown return early in the season, but he's also muffed a couple of punts lately, so. Um, you know, a little concern there. Uh, you don't want to be turning the ball over, um, you know, giving teams short field. But on the flip side for Georgia in their uh, punting game, I don't believe an opponent has uh, returned a single yard uh, off of Brett Thorson. Now, he hasn't had to punt too much, um, but they uh, have, have done a good job of, uh, you know, getting fair catches or, or just making unreturnables. Uh, so, uh, I think they feel uh, pretty good about special teams. They haven't had the catastrophes. Yeah. By the way, Tim, another thing that Florida worked on or discussed was creating turnovers as well. They've been uh, near the bottom of the SEC. I think they've only forced uh, about three or four turnovers all season. So, all right, yeah, Kevin, well, I'll ask you. I'll ask you then uh, on the Gator side. Um, you know, I think you alluded to uh, Billy Napier. You know, the win over South Carolina maybe uh, taking some of the heat off him. Is that a game by game thing? Uh, is it a situation where they lose to Florida, the heat's back on? Uh, I mean, they're close to cracking the top 25. Uh, how tenuous is uh, kind of the uh, thoughts of Gator Nation in terms of the second-year head coach? You know, I think it was more frustrating following the Kentucky loss because of the fact that there was a feeling that if Florida was going to show progress, they should beat a team like Kentucky, right? You know, like that's one of those teams that they've traditionally beat. I don't know if there'll be as much heat on them against Georgia because I don't think anyone's expecting it. Georgia's the number one team in the country. Um, but, you know, if they're not competitive, I think there would be a concern, you know, if, if they lose – beyond the point spread, you know, if they get blown out of the doors, I think there would be a lot more heat. Um, so I think reasonable Gator fans just want to see Florida, you know, play a play a very competitive game. And 
if they could pull off an upset, great. Then, you know, maybe they build the statue of Billy Napier, right? But if not, uh, the, at least, you know, they'll they'll feel good about it going into the back half of the season. Um, but uh, I do think that, uh, you know, I think there was a lot of rumbling from Kentucky because of the fact that, you know, the lopsided nature of that rivalry. And it has changed recently under Mark Stoops, but they were hoping that, you know, maybe Florida would show a little progress. And, and the fact that Florida got blown out against Kentucky, too, was the largest margin of victory in that game since 1979 didn't bode well for him but florida's bounced back they've won two in a row um against vanderbilt in south carolina and there's a feeling that uh you know maybe there's signs of progress the other thing about billy napier too is obviously with the Lorente mccray news this week i mean he's still recruiting very well uh through all this and i think that that's kind of the light at the end of the tunnel that the Gator fans are seeing that he's accumulating talent. And if he keeps on stacking recruiting classes on top of recruiting classes and doing decent in the portal, that the tide will turn in a few years. Yeah, I definitely think that, it, you know, like you mentioned, the recruits that are coming in, you've got DJ Lagway coming in, the you know, the highly touted quarterback next year. You've got Trevor Etienne, who, you know, he's a, a fantastic running back. We haven't really even talked about him today. So there, it looks like there are good things in the future, but you're right. You know, uh, Billy Napier is definitely, uh, even if they lose to Georgia, he's got to show some things the rest of the year because they also have Florida State. You know, you're facing the number one team and the number four team in the span of just about a month. So that's a tough slog for the Gators. But, you know, you mentioned the big spread. You know, some places I've seen 14 and a half, some 15 and a half. So, Kevin, I'm going to ask you first, how do you see this game going? Do they cover? Do they pull the upset? What do you think is going to happen here? I think they could keep it a one or two score game. Um, you know, I don't necessarily, you know, I, I would be shocked if, if they pulled off the upset and uh, do not foresee it. Uh, Bowers or no Brock Bowers. I still think, uh, you know, line of scrimmage wise, uh, Georgia has the advantage and they're going to take advantage of it and, and wear Florida down eventually. But, but I think, you know, Florida will have a little bit of confidence and will be competitive. I think for a half, maybe even to three quarters, um, you know, before, you know, maybe fading late or there could be a mistake late. I don't think they'll certainly be able to move the ball with the same proficiency as they have the last two weeks. But, uh, you know, they may be able to score some points here and there. And I do think the defense is, you know, it just doesn't look to me like they're playing at the same level that they did against Tennessee defensively. And I think that's a concern. And I don't know if it's they've been worn down and maybe the bye week will help them on that regard or maybe the bloom is off the rose on Austin Armstrong a little bit and maybe people are starting to figure out his schemes a little more in film um but they even in the Vanderbilt game even though they only gave up 14 points you know they, they did have a bad coverage bust in that game and I, I, they just don't look as effective to me defensively as they did early in the season the bloom is off the rose the words of a journalist, certainly. Nice, Kevin. <laughs> and and Mark, so how do you see it? Do you see the Gators keeping it close? Do you see Georgia covering? If you're spending $100 of Kevin's money, what are you doing with it? <laughs> oh, Kevin's money. Let me think about it. That's probably give it, gives it a different <laughs> shape. Of how, uh, for Kevin's money, uh, I would probably... I'll, I'll sell you the money, Mark, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, except for the Kentucky game, uh, Georgia in their SEC games... Uh, they haven't been covering the spread. Um, they've had closer than expected games. So, you know, I'm going to probably end up, I haven't done my picks yet for our SEC experts picks on, on the USA Today Sports Network, but I imagine I'm going to end up uh, picking, uh, you know, Georgia to win by uh, probably less than the 14 and a half. But I, I think they probably do win by double digits. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see 
you know, in tough moments in this game, uh, how they respond to not having Brock Bowers as an answer, because often he is the answer. Now, I haven't mentioned Lab McConkey because um, he, he missed the first four games of the season with a back injury. Uh, he's kind of been limited the amount of snaps he's had since he's come back. He hasn't had his usual assortment. But, I mean, let's not forget this was one of the, the best wide receivers in the SEC the last couple of years uh, and a great compliment to Bowers or A.D. Mitchell, you know, whoever else they had around. Um, you know, and, and I think he can be a guy uh, that, that can make up, you know, as a reliable guy. He already is on third down. Uh, Carson Beck has found him time and again on third down in, in some big moments the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I, I would look for him as well. Um, and I think, you know, I'm expecting, I, I, you know, Vanderbilt put up, what, 20, uh, 20 against Georgia. And, and I, I think I picked them to have nine, which was uh, nine points more than Vanderbilt has scored the last two times they played Georgia because they were shut out both times. So, you know, it's not going to surprise me if Florida puts up 17 or even 24. But, but I think Georgia is, is going to score. They've been scoring every game, 37, 51. Uh, 49 in three of the last four weeks. They did only have 27 against Auburn. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens if, if uh, Florida finds some, some magic. But um, I think Georgia wins by uh, double digits, probably the low double digits. All right. Well, last year they won by 22, and the year before they won by 27. So if they come down five points from 22, let's see, that's 17. I think they'd still cover. Not sure what's going to happen here, but you know, if, if they were watching the template of that Kentucky game against Florida, having Bowers out, they're going to start running early, and if Florida can't tackle their running backs, they're just going to run it down their throat, and this thing could get out of hand. It's going to be a fun thing to watch, and I can't wait to read all of your coverage. Of course, um, y- you can find all of Kevin's work at Gainesville.com for the Gainesville Sun. And Kevin, where can people find you on the social media platforms or X? Yeah, at, at, at Kevin Rockway G1 on X, um, formerly Twitter. Uh, you can also find my work on Gatorsports.com um, and uh, throughout the state, right? And you guys, Jacksonville.com, you guys run it. And uh, we, I always appreciate that. And uh, Palm Beach Post and a lot of the other, uh, you know, the Gannett, the State Network papers uh, pick up my work. So uh, always appreciate that. All righty. And then, of course, Mark's work can be found at OnlineAthens.com. And Mark, where can people find you on social media? On the uh, site formerly known as uh, Twitter, uh, X, uh, it's just my name, Mark Weiser, M-A-R-C-W-E-I-S-Z-E-R. And uh, we'll have uh, plenty of content as the week uh, rolls on. And uh, the game comes at 3.38 usually, right? Something like that in Jacksonville. All right. And if you're one of the people who are heading to Jacksonville for the Florida Georgia game, you can also, as Kevin mentioned, go to jacksonville.com where Gary Smith's the longtime reporter there. He's been covering press conferences with the mayor. Uh, he's got all the information about parking and all the important things you're going to want to know about the city itself. So again, jacksonville.com, gainesville.com, onlineathens.com. Nobody covers Florida and Georgia the way the USA Today Network does. Gentlemen, it has been a fantastic conversation. I appreciate you guys coming on. And, uh, you know, 3.30 Saturday is when it will happen. Mark, as always, I appreciate you coming on here again. And thank you for sharing your knowledge. Yeah, good to be with you. Enjoyed it. Absolutely. And Kevin, as always, we appreciate you coming on here. We hear from you quite often. And I have a feeling you'll be back for Florida, Florida State here in the near future. Of course. Uh, Pleasure to be on as always. And that will do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote current Georgia head coach Kirby Smart, it's very important that we don't make the same mistakes twice. That's a big part of improvement. 
well, don't make the mistake of missing out on any of our podcasts. Thanks for listening, and join me again next time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.